It doesn't matter what you're going through, God's gonna go through it with you. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Maybe you're at Atascacita, or you're here in the woodlands, or you're worshiping online. Hey, praise God that you connected with us because what you're really doing is connecting with God. You're gonna hear from God's word today. And I know he has a personal and powerful word for you that can make all the difference in your life. You see, the most important decisions of my life, God spoke to me about at church. And I believe God's gonna speak to you through his word today. And we need a word of encouragement in this busy season, don't we? Can't believe it is one week until Christmas. That's crazy. And we celebrate the birth of the Son of God who loves us so much. And maybe you're on a mountaintop, you can praise him. If you're in a valley, you can praise him because he's gonna get you through. So let's pray. Dear God, I come before you today and I thank you that you have a purpose for each and every life. You don't create anything without a purpose. And I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would remind them that you love them, that they matter to you, and you've made them for a purpose. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak that personal word into each and every one of our hearts from your word, that you would change us from the inside out, that you would change circumstances around us, but you would also change us as we go through the circumstances, whether it's a mountain or a valley, I know, Lord, that you'll walk through it with us, and you can do miracles right in the middle of the mess. And I thank you, Lord, that we can always turn back to you. Lord, when I get selfish, I go my own way, I think I know better than you. You always bring me back to you, and you still love me. And I thank you, Lord, for all those this Christmas that'll be returning to you, coming home to you this Christmas. Let's bring them on home, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Hey, I know a lot of you are like me. You're not ready yet for Christmas, are you? You're a proud member of the last minute crowd, but now you're having to fight the crowds at the mall, totally stressed out, trying to get those last minute gifts. Or you're desperately searching internet sites, trying to find gifts that will still arrive before Christmas, and now you're out of luck. Well, I'm so glad you came to church today because I wanna tell you something that's gonna set you free. It's gonna take away all your anxiety about last minute shopping. I'm gonna tell you some good news, and here it is. Any gift you get this last minute is going to be returned anyway. That's the encouragement I have for you today. So just relax, take it easy, maybe give cash, I, I don't know, but Speaking of returns, Costco has the most generous returns policy of any store. And I love Costco, all those big bulk items. It's just fun to walk through there. It's the Disneyland of shopping. And I think it's good business to be liberal with your return policy. But you know, there's always someone out there who'll misuse a good thing. And a while back, Costco employees who work at the returns counter posted some of the most ridiculous returns that they've received. And one of the most ridiculous happened in January of 2018 when a woman tried to return a whole dead Christmas tree and asked for a refund because the tree had died. Isn't that amazing? It died after Christmas. Unbelievable. Come on. Just have a funeral for the tree. Throw it on the curb like everyone else. Be done with it. 
the guy in the Costco return line behind the lady took a picture of her and she wound up on the news and was pretty embarrassed, I'm sure. But she still got the refund, so it worked out for her. Another Costco employee said they saw someone return a tree during the summer that had been purchased two years before. I mean, who does that? How do you even think of that? You know, you need some cash and you're laying around the couch and you think, wait a minute, that two-year-old dead tree lying on the side of our house, I'm gonna bring that back to Costco. I mean, how do you think of that? Someone returned a used cat litter box still full of cat litter. I'm glad they didn't get it on Amazon after mail that thing back, but, and they took that back. One woman bought one of those six-pound bags of gummy bears, ate just a few, left the whole bag in the car in the summer. It melted into one huge gummy log. She took that huge gummy log back, and they let her return it. Well, the most important return you can make this Christmas is returning to what Christmas is all about. We need to return to the king of Christmas, and if we return to the king, we'll be ready for the return of the king. So let's look at the king in the manger. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Luke 2. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You can be seated. The emperor decreed that a census would be taken of the whole Roman Empire and everyone had to return to their hometown to be counted. Now Joseph had to return to Bethlehem because he was a descendant of King David and David was from Bethlehem. And if we're going to return to the king of Christmas, like Joseph and Mary, we need to return to Bethlehem. Otherwise, we'll miss the simplicity of Christmas. Look at this passage, because here we see what Christmas, our, our Christmas can be stolen. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Focus on that phrase, simplicity, that is in Christ. You see, we let the enemy deceive us and we complicate Christmas. We allow the busyness of the season to steal away the simplicity of Christmas and we lose all the power of Christmas that God wants to bring into our lives. Now in Luke 7, we do, or in Luke chapter two, verse seven, we see what Christmas really is all about. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The Son of God was born to a peasant woman in a filthy animal stable and laid in an animal feeding trough. Nothing could get more simple than that. Nothing could be more humble than that. And that's what Christmas is all about. That Jesus Christ, God himself, came to this earth and humbled himself to become one of us 
being wrapped in frail human flesh as a weak and helpless baby. And he did all this so that he could go through all that we went through, so we could know he understands us and loves us. And maybe you've been so busy this Christmas season doing things that seem really important, but you're missing the simplicity of Christmas. You've complicated Christmas. Some of you are trying so hard to make this Christmas perfect for everyone else, and you've got good intentions. I mean, you wanna make Christmas just great for everyone, but you're missing Christmas altogether. You're so concerned about getting everyone the perfect present that you're not present for your family, and that's what they need most. Stop trying to have a perfect Christmas and instead have a present Christmas where it's all about relationships, your relationship to God through his son, Jesus Christ, the gift of Christmas, and your relationships with others. Hey, maybe you need to simplify this Christmas. It's so complicated that you're missing Christmas. The greatest Christmas present is Christ's presence. The simplicity of, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. But that savior came for me at Christmas. And when we miss the simplicity of Christmas, we miss the generosity of Christmas. Look at Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A son is given. Christmas is all about giving, and the first gift that was given was given by God himself, the gift of his son. Did you know generosity is the most mentioned virtue in all of scripture? Yeah, the word give or giving is mentioned 2,285 times. That's twice as many times as the word love is mentioned in the Bible. Because generosity is the only thing that can break the grip of materialism that pervades our culture. You see, selfishness is so ingrained in our culture today that giving is countercultural. It goes against the grain. And it's the only antidote to selfishness because our culture is all about getting and accumulating. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it will never make you happy. There's nothing wrong with it unless you're not giving or you're giving very little. Because when you get your eyes off yourself, you get your focus off of your problems, your stresses, your needs, and you focus on God and others, and you start giving generously, you begin to experience the power and the blessings of Christmas. Because if you miss the generosity of Christmas, you will miss the blessings of Christmas. That's what happened so many times to the people of Israel. They would stop being generous and they would stop following God's command to tithe, to give back the first 10% of all they made to show that God was first place in their lives. They stopped focusing on the poor. They stopped focusing on the needs of others because they said, we have enough problems and expenses of our own. We can't afford to be generous. And God allowed their blessings to be stolen away. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 38. God said, you will sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. When generosity goes out the window, the locusts of life fly through the window and start eating away at the blessings God has for you. Eating away at your peace, eating away at your joy, eating away at God's blessings financially and relationally in your life. Because they weren't giving the tithe, God allowed locusts to sweep in and destroy their crops. No matter how hard they worked, the locusts would come in and steal their blessing. Without generosity, you can work really hard, 
but not be really effective or productive. You can wear yourself out to achieve a lot, but have no overarching purpose and wonder, what's it all worth anyway? And feel totally empty on the inside. So how do we return to the king of Christmas so we can reclaim the blessings of Christmas? I want us to look at an obscure prophet in the Old Testament. Maybe you've never looked at this little book by Joel the prophet, but in it, it gives us the secret to returning to the king of Christmas and reclaiming the blessings that God just wants to give us. Joel chapter two, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave, a, leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. The first thing we have to do to return to the king of Christmas and reclaim the blessings of Christmas is return humbly to the king of Christmas. Return to surrendering to God's control. Most of us just need to stop and say, God, forgive me for complicating Christmas. I've been trying to control everything. I've been trying to fix that relationship. I've been trying to make everything perfect. I've been trying to control all my problems. I've been trying to be God. I'm not God, you are. I admit I'm not God and I'm powerless to fix everything and everyone around me because I can't even fix myself. But Christmas reminds me, I'm powerless, but you're powerful. I surrender to your power and control so you can fill me with peace. That's what it's all about. Look at Joel chapter two, verse 12. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. There's that word return again. He says, return with all your heart, with weeping, fasting, and mourning. So before we can experience the joy of Christmas, we have to mourn for what we've lost. God told the people of Israel, you've not only lost your livelihood, you've not only lost your crops, but you've also lost your way because you disobeyed my word. You didn't trust me. You've also lost your peace of mind. You've lost your purpose, and that's why you feel empty. You've lost your joy. You've lost your passion. See, we have to mourn for what we've lost before we can regain all the blessings God wants to give us. We have to admit our brokenness before he can bless us. It's all about returning humbly to the king of Christmas. But we return with an attitude of mourning so that he can bring rejoicing. And so I want us to stop right now and I want us just to pray and ask God for forgiveness. I think we've all complicated Christmas probably way too much this year. And it's a serious thing in God's eyes because Christmas is all about Christ and celebrating the simplicity and the power that God came for us, that I need a savior and a savior came for me. And so right now, God says, You'll return to me, I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll get you ready for Christmas so you can receive all the blessings that I have for you. So I want us to do that right now. Let's just bow together and pray. Dear God, we come before you and we just acknowledge that we've been trying to be God. So often, Lord, I try to control things that are totally uncontrollable. 
Lord, I get stressed over things that I try to control, but I can't control them. Lord, I lose my peace because I'm trying to do what only you can do. But Lord, Christmas reminds me I'm powerless. I'm not God, but you are, and you give me your power. So Lord, right now we ask for your forgiveness for complicating Christmas, and we come before you and humble ourselves and return to you, and we ask that you would just fill us up with your power and your strength, that we would just trust you. We wouldn't be so worried about getting all the perfect presents and making everything just right, but we would be present, Lord, with our families and that we would, Lord, be used of you, that people in our families could see you in us and, and your peace in the middle of all the stress. And Lord, I pray for your healing touch in our lives. We surrender to your power, your care and control, and we thank you that you're powerful enough because you are all powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. So we return humbly to the king of Christmas. And then we can restore the generosity of Christmas. In Joel 2.14, says, and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. God tells the people he's going to bless them to be a blessing as they return to being generous, as they restore generosity. When God blesses you, he does it not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. God blesses you to become a blessing, and the more you bless the kingdom of God and others, the more you reclaim those blessings that God has with your name on it, those blessings that the enemy has stolen away, that the locust of the enemy has eaten away at. The more you feel the joy and the peace and the purpose of God in your life as you give, because Christmas is all about giving, instead of getting. The people of Israel had stopped tithing. They stopped giving back the first 10% of all they made. And that was because they didn't trust God. When he said, if you obey my command and tithe, I'll bless you financially, I'll give you back more. Well, they thought they knew best. They said, God, I'm not sure you're gonna do that. So they stopped tithing because they thought, we've got all these expenses, so we can't tithe. But really, it was unbelief. They didn't really trust God. And you know, I used to get upset at Christians that didn't tithe. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's in God's word and God always comes through and it's God's command. And, but now I don't get upset at Christ followers who don't tithe. I just feel sorry for them. I think, how can you trust God with your eternal salvation, but you don't trust him with your finances? I mean, how can that be? And it just makes me sad because I know how it sets you free from financial worries, how it sets you free from the grip of materialism, how it helps you teach your kids that it's really all about giving rather than getting, that it's all about Christ at Christmas. Really, it just comes down to unbelief as we struggle to believe what God says in the most important areas of our lives. But if Christianity doesn't work in the most important areas of our lives, relationships, family, finances, schedule, then it doesn't work. It's just unbelief. Because they stopped tithing, God allowed the locusts to devour their crops, their livelihood, and in Malachi, God tells the people this. You see, 
He tells them that because you're stealing from me, he says, because you're not tithing, you're stealing from me. That's why your blessings are being stolen from you. And then he goes on to say something amazing. He says, but you know what? I want to bless you so desperately. I hurt for you that you're hurting and you're hurting yourself. And I'm just waiting to bless you if you obey my commands. And in Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the church house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. What an amazing promise. That shows you how loving God is. When we disobey him and disobey him and we experience the pain of disobedience, he's just waiting to say, hey, I gave you this command because I want you to learn to trust me that I am a good God and I have blessings for you. And obedience brings blessing. And I want you to experience me coming through an important area of your life so you can see that I'm real. That's the God we serve. And he says, if you start doing this, giving back the first 10%, I learned this as a kid. I'm so grateful. My parents taught me this. When I got a dollar of allowance, I gave 10 cents back to God. When I made 50 bucks mowing the lawn, then I gave $5 back to God. And all along the way, you know, God taught me this through my parents at an early age, and so that makes such a difference. And if you've never learned that, it may feel a little harder, but I know thousands of you have learned that at Woodland Church. And as you begin to put God first and give the first 10%, at first you think, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. I'm telling you, you can't afford not to. When you step out in faith and do that, even feeling a little anxious, even feeling like, I don't know, and you do it, God says, I will come through. It's my word, and I keep my, I will come through, and I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. You can't contain. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm gonna meet your needs beyond measure if you will just trust me. You trust me, and you start tithing, and you put me first. Not the last 10%, because you won't give 10% if it's the last 10%. He's like, God, I don't have hardly anything left over this. Maybe next month. No, you give the first. Why? Because it's an act of faith. And why, do you do, why didn't God say 5% or 20%? Why didn't God say 10%? I don't know, but I know the purpose. It's to put God first. Because if God's not first place in your finances, is he really first place in your life? And God says, put me first for your good. Because I want to bless you and I want to show you that I will come through, that my word is true. And so when you do that, then you begin to see God work in a really important area of your life. If you're not tithing, probably the most life-changing thing you could do this Christmas is start. Just start, just step out in faith and start tithing and putting God first and you'll see God come through. That's God's word. Then there are even greater blessings when you give over and above your tithe, it's really all about a heart that's excited about giving because you know you can trust God's blessing. It's not how much do I have to give to obey God, it's how much I get to give because I love him. That's when it really starts changing in your life. That's when you really begin to understand everything you have is from God, and God says, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to celebrate it. Just know it won't bring you happiness but as long as you give back that first 10% to me, and then you can give more, 
and more and more. And then it begins to free you up to experience the joy of giving because life is not all about getting and getting and getting. It's all about giving and watching God give back. In Joel 2, 13, God says, don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. See, they would, when they were showing God that they were repenting, they would tear their clothes to show that they were changed and you would see someone whose clothes were all torn up and they just looked kind of filthy. You go, man, they're really spiritual. Look at them. Man, they really love God. They're sacrificing for God. Look at them. Their clothes are just ripped to shreds and that's not the new look. I mean, those jeans are so torn up, that guy's spiritual. But yet, God says, eh, it's not about the outside. It's not about looking spiritual on the outside. It's about your heart. And he says, in your grief, don't tear your clothes, but tear your hearts. Let your hearts break and return to me. He was saying, you need a heart change. I want you to change on the outside because you love me on the inside. I want you to tithe and give, not because you have to, or you're made to, or you're pressured to, but because you want to, because you love me and want me to be first place in your heart. Now, I'm not saying that when you start, you won't have some fears, but faith is stepping out in spite of your fears. I'm not saying you won't have some doubts, you won't have some anxiety, but once you step out, that comes from your heart. Have you ever given something because you feel the pressure of others, but you, weren't, you didn't really want to do it, but you acted like you did? I feel that way now just about every time I go through a drive-thru. Now, now they'll hold out that credit card machine before you put your card in, they'll say, first choose one of these buttons, 15%, 18%, 20%, or no tip, and I'm going, you haven't done anything for me yet, you know? First thing you do is ask for a tip. I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. You know, I, I don't know, I, I want a tip generously, but because I'm a generous tipper at restaurants where you sit down and you get waited on, especially when it's our whole family and our grandkids. Whenever I'm leaving a restaurant, I just profusely apologize to the waiter. I am so sorry for the mess that we've made. Here's my wallet. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's just that bad. I mean, I mean, I wanted to somehow help them. I'm a generous tipper at sit-down restaurants, but I'm just getting used to tipping at Starbucks, you know, and fast food restaurants. I mean, I don't know what to tip. I don't know about you, but I go, I don't know what to tip. You know, um, I think, well, maybe it's, you know, how hard they, they worked on it. I'm thinking, it took you about two minutes to make my coffee. I don't know, is that... How am I supposed to tip? Or you're driving through McDonald's and they tell you to choose a button for a tip and I wanna say, well, if I tip, will you come out here and clean up my car and clean up the chicken nuggets that have been sitting under the seat for three weeks? I don't know. But I have to say the whole idea is ingenious because the nice kid who holds out the credit card machine who asks you to press a button just looks you in the eye as he waits. And he has this look that says, can't you see I'm worn out working my tail off just trying to pay my way through college? And so you just feel the pressure. And I always tip. And what's worse is when you go into a cafe or coffee shop and you order and they flip that screen around and ask you to choose a button. Not only is the person at the register looking at you, but everyone in the line behind you is looking at you. And you don't know what to tip, you know, and they're looking at you because they don't know what to tip. You know, what are you tipping? You know, I mean, 
I mean, what's he doing? Because I don't want to do less and look like a fool, you know, and, but I certainly don't want to do more because I really don't want to tip. So, and you just kind of, the pressure, you know? And hey, honestly, I think they deserve everything that they get because they work so hard, but it just feels kind of weird, doesn't it? You know, God says we're to give from our hearts, not because you're pressured, not because you're told what to give, but that God's word says it, and you do it because you love him. It's all about your heart, that's what it is. And I love how we have our heart for the house offering every December. And it's just a chance, and so many of you love this, and you plan on it every year, you get excited about it because it helps you show to your family and in your heart that it's all about Christ. Everyone gets presents at Christmas other than the one whose birthday it is. And so we wanna give him our best, and it really helps teach our kids how to break the grip of materialism. It's all about Christ, and the Heart for the House offering is really a chance for us to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings to show that we love the Lord, that he loves us, and that we trust him, that he's gonna bless us even more. It's not about what I can afford to give, it's how much I want God to bless me this next year. And it's a great opportunity to have a heart for God and a heart for his house and the ministries of Will and Church. And our kids always lead the way because we teach them it's all about Jesus. So they've been collecting their change. That's why they've been hitting you up for change. You go, I don't carry change, I don't have change, you know? But they've been looking all through the sofa and they've been trying to fill their boxes up and give those boxes uh, you know, with change. Some of them don't have a box, that means they use cryptocurrency. You know, they learn it early, and so, but they're gonna come up here right now and they're gonna give because it reminds them that it's all about Jesus. Hey, it's great, all the presents, all the excitement, not being able to sleep on Christmas Eve, but really it's all about Jesus Christ, that he is the birthday boy. So let's just welcome all of our kids. Let's give our kids a huge thank you. They lead the way. And give our volunteers and our staff a huge thank you for what they do each and every week. And I hope that many of you will volunteer for a service Christmas Eve to serve because we're gonna have so many people coming through, so many kids, and so we need you for that one hour. So choose a service and volunteer. I loved watching these kids come up here and just give. Some, one of them gave a shoe. They left their shoe. I, I, it's interesting, you know? Uh, and then a couple of them were really amazing because they were mourning and weeping and repenting before they got up here. Did you hear that? That was pretty cool. Yeah. And I love how um, the girls will just be so careful and set their box down, and the boys will just slam dunk theirs down, you know? <laughs> hey, now it's our turn, but I want to remind you in our heart for the house offering, what it's really for. First, it's to help us put God first during this time. And and it's to also help us have the faith and step out in faith to go on an adventure with God over the next year. To say, God, show me what you want me to give over and above my regular giving because I want you to do something special and powerful in my life this coming year. I wanna believe you for more in my life, so I want to give first to you in faith because without faith it's impossible to please you and I know that you're gonna give back more. But then it's also a chance for us to make a difference 
in our church, in our missions and ministries of the church. Because like all nonprofits, um, our church can receive in, at the end of the year 20%, 30% of our budget in ministries and missions. And so it's a crucial offering so that we can continue our ministries and missions over the next year because what comes in in December really determines so many of the ministries and missions that we can do for the next year. And we believe with all our heart, God wants us to take a step of faith this next year to increase those missions and ministries in a huge way. And I wanna remind you of what God did through you this last year. Over 69,000 of the poor and powerless in five countries were impacted through our food programs, our mentoring, job training, leadership training. You planted 15 new churches in India this year. You impacted millions more through our farmers, field schools, food programs, homeless ministry, school supplies, broadcast and online ministry, addiction recovery, angel tree ministry, counseling and mental health ministry, and I could just go on and on of all the ministries through Woodland Church. And we wanna increase those this year. We also feel called by God to do something that we've been praying about for three years and looking at for three years as we believe God has called us to reach the city of Houston. We're reaching the world, but we don't wanna skip over the city of Houston. And so God's opened up a door that we can start a campus this year in Houston. And it's in the East River Development. The same people that developed the city center are now developing East River. It's down by Minute Maid Park all the way to Buffalo Bayou, and they're already building condominiums, restaurants. It's gonna be an amazing place. And so there's a building there that we're taking over. We have to renovate the building, but it's going to be our downtown campus in this beautiful place that's gonna make a huge difference in lives. We have almost 2,000 people on our roll that come to either Tascacita or the Woodlands once every three months. And we're gonna have people coming from the Heights, from the West Side, from the East Side, South Side, all over Houston. We're gonna reach the city of Houston with ministry and missions, but the thing we're most excited about is the campus nestles up to the historic Fifth Ward. And then on the other side of Buffalo Bayou is the historic Third Ward. And so we're gonna be coming alongside pastors and leaders in the Fifth Ward to give them resources and volunteers that they need because they're already doing the work in an amazing way. And we're going to step in right beside them to ask them humbly, how can we help what you're doing? We have these ministries, which ones do you need? We have resources, what do you need? Because we believe God has called us to be there for that big reason, to make an impact in the city of Houston, to be love, not just preach a message, but show the message. It's not about a sermon, it's about living it out. And so it's going to take about $10 million to renovate and make this building just like our building in Atascacita. It's the same size and it costs the same as the Atascacita campus that we built almost 10 years ago. And it's so wonderful to me because so many of you in the Woodlands campus gave so we could build the Atascacita campus. And many of you have never walked in the door of the Atascacita campus. It's just that it's reaching thousands for Christ and now we give at Atascacita in the Woodlands and online, and many of you will never walk into the door of our Houston campus, but you're doing it so people could come to know Jesus. So here's a couple pictures of it, it's renovated right there. 
downtown. Um, it's gonna be amazing. The children's area has got all the kids' rooms and the lobby area and the auditorium that seats about 700, 750, and we can have three services, and God is gonna work powerfully, and we believe God wants to do that this year. We don't have it in our ministry and missions um, because we know God's gonna provide it, and we're gonna get started. Where God guides, God provides, and we believe that with all our hearts. So how do you give in this offering? Well, I just really encourage you, you can give right now as we're gonna take the offering in just a moment, not yet, but just a moment. You can give a check, or you can mail it into the church, or you can give by credit card, debit card, or bank draft, and here's the way you do it wc.org slash give. All of you guys online, everyone here, wc.org slash give. Or you can just go to wc.org and there's a banner that comes up or at our app and you see Heart for the House or Giving, they go to the same place. You click on that and it goes to where you giving type, you can just click Heart for the House. Or you can give your regular offering, one time set up recurring giving to make it a habit that you put before anything, even your house payment, God comes first. And so that's really easy, wc.org, or wc.org slash give. Or you can use your smartphone right here and now. You can text the word GIVEWC, just put it together as one word, GIVEWC, to 77977. Also, you can give stocks, and it's a great way to give if you wanna maximize your tax-deductible giving. I encourage you to make a stock transfer. Um, you can do it right from your brokerage. It's easier than ever. You just text the word STOCK to 97000. STOCK to 97000. Or you can call the church office, and that's how you get started. Before we give, I want you to see when we return humbly to the King of Christmas and we restore the generosity of Christmas, we can reclaim the blessings of Christmas. In Joel 2.25, God says, I will restore the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. That's our amazing and compassionate, forgiving and generous God. If you restore the generosity of Christmas, God says, I'll restore you. All the blessings I've been wanting to give you, I'll restore all the blessings that have been stolen from you. I wanna restore you this Christmas. Return to the King of Christmas, because one day, the King of Christmas is returning. And the first time he came, he came as a helpless tiny baby in a filthy stable. But when the king returns, he's coming back as the all-powerful king of the universe. The first time he came as a humble servant, but the next time he comes, he's coming as the rightful ruler of heaven and earth. The first time he came, he didn't defend himself when evil men mocked him and falsely accused him. But the next time he comes, he's coming as the great warrior with sword drawn, eyes ablaze, who will conquer evil once and for all. Hey, the first time he came, he was unjustly arrested, tried, but the next time he comes, he comes as the righteous judge of the whole world who will destroy all that is wrong and make it all right. All the injustice will be taken away and will be made just. The first time he came, they forced a crown of thorns upon his head. But the next time he comes, he'll be wearing the crown of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, the conqueror of death, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. For the King in the manger became the King on the cross, who became the King who conquered death, who is now the King of Kings. So have you returned to the King this Christmas? Before we take our offering, I want us to bow our heads 
If you're a first-time guest, you don't have to participate in this. If you want to, that's great. But this is something we just look forward to every year because it makes such a difference in our lives. When Chris and I, when our kids were little, we began to do this, and it really showed them. We would write the check out and show them and tell them about our giving, and they would pray about it, be involved in it, and it's such a joy to give over and above our regular giving and tithes, and, and God wants to work in our lives, but he wants us to put him first. He wants to bless. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you love us so much and you wanna bless and strengthen us. You wanna bless us with things that money could never buy, with peace and purpose and joy. And Lord, you also wanna bless us relationally and financially as we trust you. So I pray, Lord, today that you would just bless and strengthen every one of us to give what you call us to give. You would just be our faith to step out and then Lord, I thank you that you're going to do what you promise. We thank you that you're going to come through and bless, and you bless us to be a blessing. So Lord, we just now give back to you some of what you've given to us. It's all from you. You give us everything that we have. All the good things we have, Lord, come from you, the Father of lights. Lord, even our ability to work, even our very next breath comes from you and you could take it away instantly, even our next heartbeat. And we thank you, Lord, in gratitude. And we thank you that we get to give and we just pray that you would use these gifts in a mighty way, Lord, that you would touch thousands of lives, millions of lives, Lord, in our area and all over the world to accomplish your purpose. Lord, that people will know what Christmas is all about that a savior came for them. And eternal life is there for them as a free gift because of what you've done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our ushers are gonna come now and take our offering. And I've got a couple announcements to make that are really important. It's a week until Christmas. But it's four days, I think it is, until our Christmas Eve services start, which is really astounding because they start on December 22nd on Thursday night. It's the first service, and this one's gonna be so creative and so powerful. It's called Restoring Christmas because Christmas will restore you. And we've been working on this for a long time. We got some really creative things, but it all points to Jesus Christ and lifts him up. So I hope you'll invite a friend. Um, and by the way, we need every one of you to serve in some capacity because we're gonna have over 40,000 people walk through our doors at our two campuses and we need you to serve a service and go to a service. So you can sign up online to help in the children's ministry or you can help welcome, be a greeter out there, drive one of our um, transit uh, you know, vehicles that you can get people in and out, but it's all about showing love, being love to people. So we need every one of you to serve a service and come to a service. Thursday night at 7 p.m., is the first one. And it's gonna be packed, but it's gonna be amazing. And I encourage you, if you're a regular attender, come to the first one because we're gonna do something special. We're having Christmas communion at the end of that service, all together, corporately. And so I encourage you, come to that one. And then Friday night, December the 23rd, it's at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, Christmas Eve, it's at one, three, five, seven, and nine. And if you're a regular attender, I just encourage you, don't come to the 
five or seven because it usually overflow, like 1,000 people in overflow and make room for new people coming in, but come to any of the other ones, you know? Um, and they're all the same service. And by the way, if you're bringing a friend, I don't care which one you come to, bring a friend, invite a friend, come to the five and seven if you're bringing a friend. Otherwise, come to one of the other services. Then we have the 11 p.m., you know, midnight Christmas service in the chapel. It's a little different, but it's really powerful, and it's always packed out. And then on Christmas morning, we have a service at 10 a.m., and that one is different from the others and really special. It's about a 40-minute, 45-minute service. You bring the kids in, you bring them in their pajamas, and it's an amazing service. It just reminds you what Christmas is all about. It's really meaningful. 10 a.m. on Sunday. And so at Atascacita, they've got all these service times online. Everything will be online as well. I think that um, one of the services on Christmas Eve is live on KHOU television. We're just getting this out all over the world, but we want you to bring a friend. Get them to one of our campuses. Bring a friend. And have you enjoyed the Festival of Lights? That's all about serving the community and letting them get on our campus and inviting them to Christmas Eve. I hope you'll take one of those cards and invite someone to Christmas Eve. You know, all the studies show that most people who don't go to church would come to church if only a friend would invite them. This is the week. All you have to do is give that out, that little card, and go, hey, love to have you come to our Christmas Eve service. You'll have a good time. Your family will have a good time. Come on. It's gonna be really cold, by the way. You heard that, right? We're gonna have our fire pits out there, our festival lights going, s'mores, all kinds of stuff, and you come in here, it'll be warm. And so be here Christmas Eve and serve Christmas Eve and invite a friend. By the way, the Festival of Lights goes on every night this week, and it'll be also during the Christmas Eve services before and after. And you come up here and enjoy that at the Woodlands campus. Hey, you did amazing last week with Angel Tree, giving Christmas to thousands that wouldn't have had it. Just watch this. Way to go, Woodlands Church. Let's stand together. You may not be ready with all the presents and everything that you need to do for Christmas, but your heart's ready. Your heart's ready, and let's just sing about this king, and let's be ready for Christmas, and let people, when they look at you, see the peace of Jesus Christ, because it's good tidings, good news, and God wants to bring peace to your heart. So let's sing it. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.